Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? And welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here, talking about the 12th episode of season five, Oscar and Love, which aired on December 12th, 1974, is available on Paramount+. Plus. Interesting thing I found out yesterday, Garrett, all of a sudden, uh-huh. all episodes of Isle of Lucy became available on Paramount+. Plus, uh-huh. Which it, like uh, Odd Couple, was missing episodes for years the same episodes just were not there ah. i i did go to then look to see if maybe somehow that meant the odd couple was all there uh i did not see that at least yet but i i wonder if I see. What... You, so you're saying before on paramount plus they had most of them which them but i'm odd... sorry lucy's yes lucy's were very similar to odd couple it would have right. it would skip episodes in seasons on paramount plus and it was not obvious why those episodes are skipped, but it was the same episode skipped ever since CBS All Access went up, um, which was years ago. And and then a guy on some, I was informed on Twitter that they were all there, and that's this must have happened in the last week because I was trying, I was watching the show recently on Paramount Plus and was skipping episodes because I. That was the only way to watch it there. I was buying DVDs of I Love Lucy, which kept goodness. Oh my they God. kept they kept breaking or the they wouldn't play. They'd get all jammed up in the DVD player. The DVD player would like fail. Um, so I kept buying used DVDs and now I don't have to. So wow. I'm hoping someday the odd couple maybe will be all available on Paramount Plus. Well, well, I was about to say, do you think this uh, kind of is a premonition that uh, they're they're kind of fixing, uh, getting their house in order? I would think that whatever reason, I mean, it's possible that there's an estate of uh, the Arnez estate that that Lucy Arnez controls, manages, is different than the Gary Marshall estate. And maybe that's completely unrelated. But I would like to believe that whatever got all of I Love Lucy's there could also get all odd couples there. Well, you know, it's funny that you make that comparison, because now that I think of it, uh lucy the lucy wait you're saying desi's estate technically owns the well i'm desi assuming had the rights well yeah i guess i'm assuming that the reason the rights well you're right i'm probably that's probably wrong i was somehow assuming that the arnez estate was involved in this well, but it's probably not because they had desi Lou studios like they were an actual real entity that well yes Par- right? paramount bought them out i mean they they they, oh, okay. they eventually sold the rights to viacom or whatever it was at the yeah. time and then but i would i somehow was thinking arnez's state is involved in this but it's probably got something to do more with the, with the linear rights and making deals with linear rights holders who probably want i think we've talked about this before i think we've assumed i've assumed the reason they're not all there is to give the people who own the linear rights a reason to force people to watch it on tv and yeah, maybe right. they paid off the linear rights or the rights are, are have been renegotiated because a contract renegotiated to get to now allow them to put all up on but if that's true if that's the reason then that hopefully could apply to the odd couple right so yeah i don't think gary marshall ever was in a position to really own he he was not 
in the position of uh, Desi and Lucy were with their show. So yeah. I, just, I don't think he ever had any right. You're right. I, I probably, that was probably a mistake for me to say. It's probably more uh, has something to do with. I forgive um, you. I forgive th- you. Thank you. Um, with the linear rights holders. Okay. Anyway, uh, the whole point of this is to say it is on Paramount Plus. <laughs> Who wrote this episode? <laughs> and others are still not on Paramount. Other episodes are not. And yes. But I don't know if I told you, I love Lucy. Oh, I don't want to start that again. Okay. <laughs> you know, the fans love great copyright content uh, discussion. I'd like to tell fans that I want to do an I Love Lucy podcast, but I think Garrett is refusing and would prefer what? more to do all in the film. Wait, oh. would you do it? Uh, well, you there? I assume there have been. No, there's there were there were the I could find two. One of them was very good, but stopped at the end of season oh. three, I believe. There's a new one out now that I'm also enjoying, but this, the funny thing, I think we've said this before, I would not want to talk about I Love Lucy season one <laughs> because I don't like it. And the, yes, the vitamin well, vegetables. Maybe you just have a problem with all season No, because all in the family, we would start with season one. The, the vitamin vegetamin, yes, is in season one, I believe. Uh, and the chocolate factory is in season one. Anything before in their old apartment, I don't like, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, there are two I Lucy podcasts. One stopped and one just started, and they're talking about episodes I don't particularly care about. Got it. All Who right. wrote this well, episode of uh, The Odd Couple? Odd couple. <laughs> oh, right. That's weird. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, today's writer is uh, one of the most interesting stories. Uh, he's a new writer to us, his only Odd Couple episode. And uh, turns out to be perhaps the most significant screenwriter to ever write for The Odd Couple. Um, and you would never guess probably that the man who wrote this episode- Roll Dahl. <laughs> Good guess. No. Uh, I'm not saying it's surprising he wrote for The Odd Couple, but what's more surprising, because he, he didn't have a background in comedy, but what's most surprising about Mr. Uh, Carl Gottlieb, and maybe some people already know what that name is coming from, I did not, that within a year, less than a year from, when did we air this? When this December 12th, 1974. Do you know uh, what the biggest movie of 1975 was? <sighs> I'll give you a clue. It's the yes. one of the first, perhaps the, some people claim the first blockbuster movie. Oh, of, I would usually consider that to be Jaws, but that's not, that's 77. So we're not, uh, 70, is it, it's not, that's 70. Six. It's not Jaws, or is it Jaws? It is Jaws. It is Jaws. Oh, I seventy-five. Thought, I thought Summer Peter, of seventy-five. I thought Peter Bentley wrote his own script, but I guess and he didn't. So did I, Ted. Oh, but it turns out that um, Benchley. It's a co-credit. It's Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb. Is oh, I, I, I have checked now. I checked this thoroughly because remember, uh, not was it last week or two weeks ago. We had the the weird case of Martin Donovan. Oh right, who? Yeah. The, the was he a TV writer from the '60s or a young Argentinian-born uh, writer who was five years old at the time? Uh, and they turned out to be two different people sharing the same uh, at least pen name. But I looked into this thoroughly, and this really is the same Carl Gottlieb who started in the '60s as a member of the improv group, the Committee which I had not known of, but if you're 
I'm not especially a historian of the improv scene in uh, LA, West Coast, but uh, he started with them and uh, worked a lot for the Smothers Brothers in the early 70s and did a lot of other comedy variety kind of stuff. Uh, Flip Wilson, Bob Newhart, uh, but was also a performer as a comedian and, he, and was apparently friends with Steven Spielberg and, was ca- and has a role in uh, Jaws as one of the town functionaries or something. Um, and at some point after Benchley presumably wrote his first screenplay draft, Spielberg thought Carl Gottlieb would be a good person to kind of punch it up and, and add some humor. And that's, and Jaws is actually kind of for a horror movie, a kind of like has a lot of laughs in it, a lot of funny remarks or sort of sardonic uh, in, uh, remarks made. And that turns out to be in the work of Carl Gottlieb. And he, just to prove this further, he wrote a book about the making of Jaws called The Jaws Log, which is unfortunately seems to be out of print, but you can get used copies. Uh, so if you're a fan of the movie, this seems to be you know, very well regarded book about the making of that movie. Uh, he also went on to write another less blockbuster, less, less successful, but kind of very big cult classic of the 70s, which is The Jerk. For Steve Martin, isn't that I? I consider that a. I thought that was a blockbuster. Oh well, it was successful. Yes, I mean it wasn't Jaws level. I guess I don't know. I don't. I don't know how it did box office. It was. It was very successful. Yes, but I mean I consider that more of a cult classic now. The, the jerk. Uh, and then continued to write comedies for that kind of SNL group, including Doctor Detroit, a title that I remember. I'm sure you do too, but I never saw the movie. And I consider that more, I, yes, Dan, it wasn't Dan, it's Dan, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Yeah, I consider that more of a... Uh, That's truly yeah. cult. Yeah. Uh, the Jerk did $73 million in its uh, domestic release in 1979. And Jaws at the time, in its domestic release, uh, although I, I'm, not, I'm, about, I'm looking it up, uh, uh, well, that... Is two hundred and sixty-one million dollars, but at that oh, sorry, the original yes. So you're right. I mean, I, uh, Jaws isn't a class by itself, but it I think, is a class by itself, right? But I think certainly for a comedy, for a low-budget comedy, uh, the Jerk was certainly. I think the Jerk is a blockbuster in its own right. It's just yes. you're comparing it to the Uber blockbuster, right? Right, a different genre, also yeah. a different genre. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, uh, uh, our friend Carl also is responsible for the uh, 1981 classic Caveman. Mm, Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach. Ringo, Ringo Starr as a caveman. And Barbara, which was also- Wait, Barbara Bach? No, that, not, not, oh, maybe Barbara Bach, right. Not the Rock L. Well, I confused it with the Rock L. Well, oh, that's six, that's, yeah, but that's- And that was already earlier, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, but despite this amazing uh, career, he, uh, he, he, he is still alive today, according to IMDb, but basically retired from writing by the mid after The Jerk Part 2. Did he write any more TV? Uh, he is not really. It looks like the credits are more like, you know, like Smothers Brothers reunion or whatever. No sitcoms. Is, no, no. Before uh, Jaws, he did do a round of, I should mention, Odd Couple is not his own sitcom. Uh as a, although for, as a writer, he, 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 did, he was on other sitcoms as an actor, but as a writer, he did mostly TV variety, Dean Martin, 
Uh, he did write for Bob Newhart's show one episode, but not not a lot of sitcom uh, writing. So, but it seems like he was kind of in with Gary Marshall, probably. A- anyway, as we'll talk about this episode, I actually don't think this episode is a particularly funny one, but um, it's a rather dramatic one. So it's interesting that this is his only odd couple screen credit, and that it's very possible he was working on Jaws while this was in the works. Let's put him on the list of people to get as a guest that we're never going to get. Uh, if he is indeed, yeah. Uh, I thought you said he's alive. Did you say well, that? Well, according, according to IMDb, he is, oh. but he's kind of not active. Well. But actually, well, he's someone I, I would love to ask that question, how he made that segue. Sure. All right. So in the episode, we start with, uh, we're in Oscar's room. Felix is ironing Oscar's pants. And Oscar asks, when are my pants going to be ready? Felix says, when I'm ready. You got a hot date tonight, huh? Oscar says, yeah, yeah. Felix says, who? Double-jointed Sybil? Which, of course, is, I guess, the Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman replacement. We're, we're, we're done with Crazy Rhoda, yeah. Oscar says, I only took her out once. No, I'm dating Anita. Felix says, Anita, the harpist. Oscar says, you remember her? Oh, I'm crazy about that girl, Felix says. She was the only date you ever brought here who used silverware. Felix looks at Oscar's tie and says, you're going to take a nice girl out with this tie. He says that as a question. Oscar says, what's the matter with this tie? Felix says, it's wrinkled. Oscar says, no, it isn't. Felix says, come here, come here, come here, come here, lean over. And he starts to pull Oscar's tie down onto the ironing board while Oscar's still wearing it. <laughs> and Oscar says, what are you going to do, iron my tongue? And he <laughs> says, here, you want to iron it, iron. He pulls it off his shirt, the revealing clip it's a clip-on tie. <laughs> Felix says, that's the kind of tie you're wearing. Oscar says, yeah. Felix says, and he second, a- second clip-on uh, tie joke of the series, a uh, password. Felix makes fun. Oh, of right. Yes, on. yes, that's right. Felix is Anita. I say, I say that because I had clip-on ties, and uh, I, 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 I always thought they were, I thought they were a good thing. Felix says Anita as, as a teenager. I should add, as a teenager, I used clip-on ties. Felix says Anita's a widow. <laughs> You're not going to contribute to the clip-on. I have no tie. clip-on tie material to add. I, I, okay. I, I learned how to tie a tie, and I never had okay. a clip-on tie. Okay. I did learn, but okay. Uh, uh, you go. Do you ahead. remember Kessel Nelson? Yes, I remember t- trying to teach Kessel Nelson how to tie a tie at somebody's bar mitzvah huh. in high school. Shout out to Kessel if he's listening. Uh, Felix says Anita's a widow, isn't she? Oscar says, "Yeah, you know what? We got we get along so great." Felix, I really think I'm crazy about her. Now, during this, Felix is trying to put the tie back onto Oscar's collar, but Oscar just grabs it. And Felix says, you must be if you ask me to iron your pants. Should I iron my best man suit? Oscar says, "We cut that out. You know how I feel about marriage. Give me the pants. So he grabs the pants off the ironing board. He starts to put them on. Felix says, why are you so nervous? Why are you so nervous? Oscar says, because her kids come home from camp today and I never met them. See, I want to make a good impression. He starts to zipper up the pants and says, how long does it take before the zipper cools off? Which gets a very big laugh from the audience. Well, I think it's from Plugman's delivery where he's going, ha, 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 ha. Yes. There's a 10-second laugh, which may not sound long, but watching it, it actually indicates a very strong, like one of the biggest in-studio laughs Mm. we've seen in a while. Mm. Uh, Mm. Now, uh, he says... um, he says, Oscar says, I want to make a good impression on her kids. Felix says, her kids will be crazy about you. Then he grabs a spoon that's hung on the wall, which I feel like has never been there before, right? Hmm. 
and says, <laughs> well, why would a spoon be hanging? Well, he horn? uses it as a shoe tree. <laughs> and he shoe says, shoehorn. Shoehorn. Oh, sorry. Tree. No, 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 no. You're right. Sorry. No, you're right. It's a shoehorn. I, I wrote shoe tree in my notes. It's a shoehorn. Oscar says, and if they're not, how about if the kids are not? It could ruin my whole relationship with her. And Felix says, I forgot that Anita has two children. Let me ask you something. And we're going to pick up our clip from the question that he asks Oscar. Why do you use a spoon to put on your shoes? Because a fork makes four holes in my socks. <laughs> Felix, you got any candy? Kids love candy. Oh, no, you can't buy a child's affection. You win a child. You tell them jokes. Oh, I had a great one about three sailors on a raft. That... <laughs> you tell them a children's joke. You know what the mayonnaise said to the icebox? No, what? Close the door. Can't you see I'm dressing? <laughs> you get it? I get it. I get it. You know what children like? They like little pieces of business. My kids used to love this. da 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 Hope you like our show. He can't wait to show it to the kids. So the little piece of business is Felix holds a handkerchief rolled up at his forehead level, lets it roll down like a curtain, and then does that little song. It's very cute. I think I learned the notion, the term little piece of business as like a comedy routine from this show. I I feel like it's not just the odd couple who calls it that right so i feel like i did learn that is that possible it's possible if you're not a comedy aficionado at the age of eight or whenever it is that this is setting in with you um i think i think that's right it's kind of how like i learned the word slack from emergency okay well while we're on the topic i i do remember i don't know if i mentioned this before i think i learned the word satisfied, which is random, just a random one. But you know why? From the odd couple. What's and I can now I can't remember, but what's the episode where Oscar comes in and it's something like he feels complaining about him being messy or or not wiping his feet or something. And Oscar comes into the apartment, then he turns around, he goes back to the front door and says, satisfied. I think he maybe throws something out or I, I don't remember. Does that ring a bell? All right, someone no. listening. Right have we? Maybe okay. we haven't. Could we not have gotten to that episode yet? No, we did. We did, and I forgot to oh. mention that. I just because I just don't have a childhood memory of asking my father like, "What does satisfied mean?" Oh, <laughs> because that. that got a laugh when when Klugman says that, but it's not because it's a funny word. It's- yeah, that is a random word. So after the credits, we pan up to a different apartment building in New York. Now, I think. Do you agree this is maybe on the far east side of the city? Is that I did not get a good look at it, but it, you know, uh, she's a clearly established as like a wealthy woman. I think they're trying to send that message with right. the, the decor of this apartment, uh, and uh, it has a lot of about. Bal- so the apartments have a lot of balconies in this shot, and I f- yeah. feel like for some reason those are buildings looking over the East River. I, I don't. I, I have no reason to. It doesn't feel very upper. It doesn't feel upper west side. It doesn't feel. That's, that's right. I feel like it's 60s, 70s, 80s, First Avenue or something. So inside, maybe that too. Inside the apartment, we hear the doorbell ring and a woman says it's open and she comes down from a hallway or she comes out of a hallway and walks down a small flight of stairs into the living room. So it's not a duplex, duplex. really. Is it a duplex? I think that's technically a duplex. I guess so. Levels. Yeah. Um, So she gets loft. 
she gets a round of applause. And the reason she gets a round of applause is her name is Dina Merle. And she actually had a really interesting life. She was born Nadinia Marjorie Hutton in 1923. Her mother was Marjorie Merriweather Post, the founder of the Post Serial Company. When he died in 1914, she inherited $20 million at the age of 27, which is $567 million today. And that made her the wealthiest woman in the country at the time. Then she married E.F. Hutton, who is famous. The E.F. Hutton. Yes, the uh, uh, eponymous financial firm is is his. When he speaks, people listen. And that's 1920. Um, And then together, they expanded Post into General Foods, which became a a massive business that eventually merged into Kraft. She built Mar-a-Lago. This is Dina's mother. If it's still yes, we're still talking about Dina's right. mother, not Dina. This is Marjorie right. Merriweather Post. She famously and built. Right. Mar- she was, yes, she built or hired the architects to build for her. Yes. That was her, that was her main. Mar-a-Lago was her house. Lago. Yes. Wow. And then she also built a 202 foot yacht called Hussar, which has also evolved. I think it's owned by some sort of Saudi prince or somebody now. But she had a lot of wealth and she married. Uh, I don't know if E.F. Hutton was famous, was wealthy. I can't remember if he was wealthy when they married. He but... must have been famous. I only, of course, I only think he's famous from the from the commercials that were probably on the odd couple. Yes, and right, in the 70s. <laughs> uh, but uh, so she was wealthy. She married wealth, let's just say that. And then they uh, became even wealthier. Uh, so when she, when Dina was born, and with a different name, she studied under famed acting teacher Uta Hagen. And then she adopted the name Dina Merrill, um, who's named after another stockbroker. Merrill Lynch. I don't <laughs> so think she, it's, no, well, I don't. That's the only Merrill I can think yeah, of. Yeah, I think it's a different Merrill. I know, actually, okay. I saw the name. It's a name I never heard oh, okay. of. This is M-E-R-R-R. Well, maybe that's what Merrill Lynch. Maybe well, that's, that's Y-L. That's Y-L. This is I-L. So this is two different things. For some reason, I thought she was born Dina Post and married the actor Gary Merrill. But that's not true at all. Right. And before Gary Merrill was not a millionaire. Was not a what? <laughs> not a millionaire, I don't know. No, no. I mean, he may have been from his acting, but um, so she started acting in theater and then TV and movies. She was in the Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn movie Desk Set. She was in Gary, Cran- Gary, Cary Grant and Oscar and Tony Curtis movie Operation Petticoat. And at the time, 50s and 60s, she was billed as a new Grace Kelly. And if you look at early pictures of her, you know, 20 years yeah. before this, she resembles Grace Kelly in a way. She never really found, though, an iconic role or a lasting TV series. I think she was more famous for her wealth than her acting. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on Batman as Calamity Jane, one of the lesser yeah. known villains. She did a lot of TV guest shots in the 60s and 70s, Mission Impossible, FBI, Canon, Marcus Welby. She did appear on a Quincy after this. She was on Love Boat, Hotel, Caddyshack 2, which I know you you always you always say to me, you don't like Caddyshack. You like Caddyshack 2. I don't know why you think that, but you've always told me that. Okay. Uh, she was on Murder, She Wrote, and then Roseanne. Uh, she also married money. She married an heir to the Colgate Palmolive fortune. She married Cliff Robertson, the oh. actor. And then she married producer Ted Hartley, who is actually still currently running RKO Pictures, which is still in business. Wait a minute. I didn't think he or RKO were still alive. So if you go to the RKO Pictures website, 
and you yes. look at the description, it says that it basically, it, this is a quote, it regained its bearings with its acquisition by Ted Hartley and Dina Merrill in 1989. Oh, well, first of all, wait, so he was much younger than her when they married? Uh, he's she... an He's an, I don't know his age when they married. He's an older man. Um, but uh, she did pass on a few years ago. Yes. At, at, in her 90s. Are you telling me I that think, or asking me that? I think I, you're I right. Believe, I believe you told me that. I did? I believe that's in your notes. I'm looking at my notes. It's not in my notes. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, I'm not you saying you're wrong. <laughs> Why don't I just look this up while we're talking? Okay, maybe I did, but I looked it up. Maybe you looked it up too. Um, but you said when she was born. I don't know if you mentioned oh, now. When that's right. That's a fair point. Yes. She dies at 93. Yeah. Right. So she must have been older than, than Gary Merrill is. A Ted Hartley is. Ted Hartley. Oh, I said Gary Merrill. You hear what I did? I just said Gary Merrill. <laughs> Ted Hartley. Wait, are you saying Gary Merrill? Has nothing to do with this. That Forget. Your, that was my delusion. That was a brain for it. That was because it was still was stuck in my head. That was your fantasy version of who she would marry. I've been conv- if someone had asked me obsession with Gary Merrill. about Dina Merrill, I would have said she was born <laughs> Dina Merriweather Post and married Gary Merrill. I don't know why okay. I thought that. I, that's more than most people would say at all. Uh, but um, let's. I, the one thing I want to pick out from that I thought I read in your notes was that she was born in 1923. Which is why I assume she would, you know, be certainly of a very she'd be hundred years old today, but she that makes her pretty much the same age as Jack Klugman for the purposes of this episode. I think it's interesting. Which makes sense. Gary Merrill was married to Betty Davis, by the way. Well, that's interesting. Yes, but not for this podcast. Okay, <laughs> so uh, she inherited fifty million dollars from her parents when they died, which was by before this episode aired. Seventy three is basically when they both had died by then. That's $314 million today. She became a philanthropist. She worked among, I assume, many organizations. She she worked for the Republican Pro-Choice Coalition, the New York City Mission Society. In 1973, her son David died in a boating accident. Uh, I think he was in his 20s. He had diabetes, uh, which unrelated the accident, but he did have diabetes. And then she worked with the Juvenile Diabetes Research foundation and she died in 2017 at 93 so yeah, not many of those cases of well grace kelly was also kind of from aristocracy uh and was someone who took you know didn't need to live off her acting and so it seems like it's, is that it's right i don't think i knew that yeah who yeah, her... grace kelly came i mean she ended up marrying true yes. monarchy but she yes. she came from a family i think in philadelphia or somewhere in the northeast that was a, a, a very wealthy oh. family aristocracy basically aristocratic going in America, going back a few generations. So, uh, but the one thing that needs closure, Ted, on your brilliant summary here is this RKO thing. So you're saying that Dina Merrill and her husband, her much younger husband uh, uh, in 1989, basically bought the, the archives of RKO, the rights or, because someone owns oh, those so RKO archives now. Ted Hartley is 97 today. Okay, that's, that's believable. Uh, so, you know, I don't so he's running RKO. Well, if you if you go to so right, so RKO was bought by <laughs> Ricky by so uh, um, Desi and Lucille Des, Desi and his Lucille Ball bought RKO. In Wait, the, now we're back to them because they bought RKO, <laughs> and it all comes back to Desi. Lewis. And then I don't know exactly what happened. The, the website is vague, and if you go to the if you go to like if you try if you go look at Wikipedia to look yeah. at the history of of RKO. Um, it's not 
very clear what happened and assuming you know i i do trust wikipedia i think they're very it good it sounds like the art that website that rko website looking at is that legit it's legit like, well yeah because it's got this guy ted hart i mean i mean i okay i, I, I norman lear is doing stuff at 97 so why can't ted hartley? No, i'm just saying it looks like it's kind of like an informal statement it's like hey here's ted hartley he bought rko in 1989 yeah, I mean, a lot of what RKO owned was sold off many, many. I see. Because yeah, someone else ago. owns that catalog. Yeah, yes. If you go, okay. if you go to the RKO website, you will see. Um, you will see. It says RKO is one of the oldest continually operating movie studios and occupies a unique place in the history of film studio. And on their website, they have some movie called Barely Lethal. They have some <laughs> sort of movie called yeah, A Late yeah. Quartet. They have Top Hat. Okay, well. Top Hat is listed oh, well, on the, the original. Well, that's the original Top Hat. And then if you go to company and look at company, uh, it says, with a legacy that includes classic films like Citizen King, King Kong, It's a Wonderful Life, the modern RKO Pictures produces, finances, and distributes both original entertainment and remakes of its classic films. Oh, and then if you go to the RKO team, uh, it says Ted Hartley in a dual role, and there's a you know like a picture of him from... 1962 there it says that a dual role as chairman and ceo ted hartley is responsible for archaeo's development and production of stage and screen and then if you go onto the company and look at the legacy oh, i believe you i believe you i believe you do you <laughs> so okay it, it's on it's started by howard hughes and now it says yes, it, right. yes. so they use it's the a term, very complicated history because yeah. yeah. my impression is archaeo basically went out of business in the 50s yeah, when and that's when it was bought by Desi Lewis. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the guest star. There's a guest oh, star Dina in this Merrill. episode, Dina Merrill. Yes. She get and, and it, this you is know, why she gets this big right. And we've had this discussion. She owns RKO Studio. Well, not at the time. We've had this discussion before about why do some people <laughs> yeah. in this show get applause when they enter right. and some don't. Right. Noticeably, the crap actor Edward Valella. <laughs> but great ballet star. Um, but clearly at the time, I mean, at the time, I, you know, most people who guest star on TV shows in the 60s and 70s would not get applause when they walked down right. a set of stairs. Well, I, I think, heard, well, to be honest, this is like Gene Simmons. Like this is someone who's been in some major Hollywood who did not, pictures. She did not get applause. Am I remember that oh, correctly? You're right. I, I think well, Gene Simmons right, is not. You're right, she, but that's because the, they, they did not give her a chance. They yeah, they opened, right. They opened, yeah. but she, you know, if they, they could have had a pause at the beginning. They of could the have, set. definitely, yeah. So I think I think that's an excellent analogy. G, you know, Gene Simmons, in terms of acting prowess or stature or appearances, I would say they're on similar levels. But because, well, she, act, mm -hmm. because she is so well-known to be wealthy yeah. and has this pop, you know, right. this, this other history, I think that's what right. sets her apart. Right. Yeah, I guess most of the guest stars and maybe what you're saying is on other TV shows, too. Most guest stars are famous for other TV shows. Right. Kind of. Right. Not actual like uh, uh, above the title names for a major Hollywood picture. Yes. Uh, so Anita yells, it's open. Oscar walks in and he and Anita embrace. Now he kisses her on the cheek here, which I thought. I thought meant they, I forgot that they do kiss on the lips eventually, but I thought it was odd that he kisses her on the cheek at the beginning. Anita says, guess what? I got good news for you. You're going to get a chance to get acquainted with my kids. Oscar says, I expected that. Anita says, but I'm not going to be here. Oscar says, I didn't expect that. Where are you going? Anita says, I got to play the harp with a chamber music tonight. The regular harpist is sprained. The regular harpist sprained her fingers trying to play Flight of the Bumblebee. 
which I think was supposed to be inside musical right. joke. Yeah. I think that was supposed to get a bigger <laughs> laugh than it did. Right. Um, it, it does not. <laughs> she calls for her kids. Mark, Lori, Mr. Madison is here, which strikes me as odd that she doesn't say <laughs> Oscar. Right. Well, they're or meeting no. him for the first time. Right. Uh, but wouldn't he refer to her? Wouldn't she? And would, she doesn't. She doesn't have plans for them to get married yet. Right. But he she, obviously they know about him. Right. So that means that when she talks about him to them, he calls she calls him Mr. Madison. Uh, well, that w- maybe that would be weird, but you know, was, there were still some formal manners at the time that would seem strange to us. And I think she's also trying to get them to be respectful to him. Okay. Uh, in a very good manners kind of way. Oscar says, you think it's a good idea leaving me alone with the kids the first time. Anita says, don't worry about it. Oscar, this is Mark. He says, hi, Mark. Nice to meet you. Anita says, and this is Lori. And he goes, hello, sweetheart. How are you, Lori? Mark is played by Kirby Furlong, who was a child actor in the 70s. He started off on Jimmy Stewart's first TV show, which is called The Jimmy Stewart Show, which was a comedy, only lasted one season. He played the grandson. Then he was on Marcus Welby, Adam 12, Emergency, Canon. He was in the movie Mame, which you may have seen. I have not. Yes, Lucy with Lucille Ball. Oh, right. He played the young Patrick. Who is, yeah, that's actually a big part. I mean, it's about the relationship between this boy and his kind of godmother, Auntie Mame. Sorry, she was his Auntie Mame. Uh, and he, I think the first half of the movie or the first third of the movie, he's a boy. And then the rest, he grows up based on a Broadway musical uh, and a play. Uh, I think, yeah, that is something. It's an older Broadway musical from the 60s, but I don't think it was made into a movie until after this. I th- uh, maybe the same around the same time. Around I think around the same time. time. Yeah. And then I think he went into music after this. Not, I don't think he stick with acting. Neither kid really gets to say much in this episode. They don't Laurie, get to show much acting. Laurie is played by Shelley Hines, who was uh, a limited child acting credits, mostly voice work. Uh, yes, Virginia, there's a Santa Claus and Frosty's Winter Wonderland are two credits that uh, I saw. She kisses them on the cheek, says goodnight. And tells them not to bother Mr. Madison too much. She tells Oscar nine o'clock bedtime. Oscar says, have they eaten everything? And Nita says, yeah, don't worry about it. Oscar says, do they have to be changed? <laughs> Nita laughs at this and says, now, and says, um, at, while she's kissing him on the lips and says, just have a good time. Now, we should say that these kids are obviously around like seven or eight years old. Yes. Do at you, least, if not 10. I am a non-parent, but you are a parent. Is this weird is this rude is this inappropriate is this disrespectful <laughs> to of her to, of uh, anita to do part. this uh, anita to just leave oscar with the kids well, like all of a sudden is yeah. that should she have canceled on oscar is it fine or are you saying is this even irresponsible to leave her children with what who... i'm asking for whatever what is your opinion <laughs> of, of her above. what is your opinion all of her of doing above. this my opinion based on the context of the scene is that while she's not explicitly saying this this is kind of like not ideal, but because she has this gig all of a sudden, uh, that it's kind of an emergency, and that you settle for less than perfect childcare if you know if you suddenly have a job to do. So if your boyfriend's coming over, and even though you're not 100% sure he can handle the kids, you basically take that chance because you have a gig. So in a way, she's lucky that this date it was planned for this night. That that's the way I read it. I it, it's. That if they were playing that situation, that could be plausible. But what's weird here is that um, 
I don't think the character even really needs the money <laughs> that badly to do that gig, the harp gig. And um, and also this is like clearly something she she could say no to the harp gig, right? Because this is something she planned that was really important. Yeah. But uh, I think she's also figuring, well, this maybe she's like in a kind of a mischievous way saying, well, this will be a really great way for him to get to know the good. It's like a test, maybe. Yeah, test, maybe a test, right. And also, I think she, it also is a sign that she clearly trusts him. Yeah. So Oscar turns towards the kids who are staring at him. To your point, they don't really <laughs> say much. Right. He smiles yeah. and walks over to the kids and says, well, I couldn't wait to meet you guys. Your mother told me all about you. So I know everything you know, except camp. Did you have a good time at camp? What's it like? Where'd you go at camp? Hmm. Now, that should be, where'd you go to camp, right? Not that where'd is, you go uh, that at would, camp. That would make more sense. But then again, at camp, sometimes you go on trips. While you're oh, there. where'd you go at? I see what you're saying. Okay. I didn't think about that. All right. So they keep staring at him and that leads to, yes, this leads to the next clip. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. You're shaking your head. Yes, you're ready. Okay. You kids have a blink? <laughs> Hey, why don't we sit down, talk, we'll get to know each other. Come on. Everybody sit on the couch. Come on, Laurie. Now, let us see. What are we going to talk about? You a baseball fan? Yeah. Yeah? What's your favorite team? Dodgers. I'm a Met fan, but I used to be a Dodger fan. You know, when they had Campanella and Snyder and Robinson? Who was they? (laughs) You wouldn't know who they were. Laurie, what do you like? I like Robert Redford. (laughs) Robert Redford. Me too. <laughs> and we're back to staring. Is there something you both like together? Well, I like magic. Yeah, me too. Magic? You know any magic? No, I don't know any magic. I know a good joke. I know. What did the salad dressing say to the icebox? Shut the door. I'm mayonnaise. <laughs> Felix, that was a rotten joke. Oh, I got a good thing. Wait a minute. Oh, this one. Here we go. Hope you like our show. That's magic. I made two kids disappear. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about the scene. I was going to move on to something. Uh. Well, uh, something, uh, a quick reference that isn't fully explained is that his Dodgers joke is, of course, it's about when they were in, he was a fan when they were in Brooklyn. Ah, yes. When he talks about Campanella and Robinson, I assume it means, given his generation, that, you know, that's when he became, he did, he did say, a Met, I'm a Mets fan, right? I think so. We just <laughs> okay, listened to we'll, it. We'll verify that. We'll- <laughs> I, I, I don't like the way Mark goes, who are they? I hate oh, that. I, I, uh, so I, like, it's a little, uh, I find it. <laughs> and the way face he makes when he does it. Who are they? Yeah. Well, I think these two acts, that's why I'm surprised that he was the boy in anti-mame because that's like a significant part. And in this, he doesn't get to show a lot of skilled acting. They act, they're acting well with their faces. The funny, their silence is very funny, the way they look at him. But whenever they speak, it's less... Um, by the way, my my criticism here isn't necessarily the actor, but more the character. Yes, got it. So now the next scene. Now, do you remember last week I told you that in this episode, Tony Randall does something too long yeah. for logic. But he does it for a joke. Yeah. 
I remember you complaining about something in the next episode. Yeah, what we, we talked about it in the with the with the record in the big broadcast where oh, he left it on. Right. And I said there's okay. even a worse, and okay. you you were excited to hear what that would be. So it's coming up. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, well uh, now I guess I am excited. Yes. Um. So he's practicing magic in the living room, Oscar, and he's t- saying out loud to nobody because nobody there. And then you take the magic handkerchief and you wait wait. Wave it over your arms and you say the magic words, abracadabra, alakazam, long red words, worms, fried eggs, and ham. And he pulls out a bouquet of flowers out of thin air. Although I just finally figured out how he does this because I never really looked before, but I believe he pulls it out of his sweatshirt sleeve. Yeah, this is one of like the tricks they do here, right? So I guess, Ted, were you ever a fan of magic as, as a kid? Uh, like doing magic? Did you no, ever try to no, to do no. Magic? I really, so I am bad at that. I, I went through a, a slight phase as a child where I, I tried to sing, but, and, and so I'm not saying I'm knowledgeable, but I'm knowledgeable enough to know that you get these kits that have all these tricks in them. That's like the standard magic tricks are basically mechanical. You need the right gadget to do the trick. And so like with the flowers, you have a gadget, you have something that it stuffs into. They're usually fake flowers and it just comes out, pops out when you want. But that out of your, come, out of your, you attach it to whatever you want, right? I think this is in a sleeve. Okay, that makes sense. So that will be relevant as we go forward. The audience applauds. Felix walks in looking exhausted. Oscar says, hey buddy, where you been? Felix says, I had to photograph the senior citizens parade. Oscar says, yeah, they marched up Fifth Avenue. Felix says, no, just across Fifth Avenue. Ba-dum-bum. What are you doing? Oscar says, well, you know how I bombed for the kids the other day, right? So I went out and bought the magic, this magic kick right here. Okay, I'm going to play the clip. And this is the scene where Tony Randall <laughs> okay. does something to uh, wedding. Okay. Uh, Become a professional magician. Learn the secrets of the great Melman. Rabbits not included. Yeah. You do. As I said, yeah. you pick a card, any card. Okay, yeah. don't tell me what it is. Just pick any card. Any uh, card. Pick a card. Don't let me influence you. Pick a card. There you go. That's the queen of spades. Hey, it's pretty good. Two of hearts. You picked the wrong card. What, I, I, what do you do with this? Oh, never mind. Now, listen, you got a dollar on you. I'm going to show you a trick. It'll amaze you. It'll amaze you. I only have two tens. All right, ten, same size. Okay, now watch. Show you the hand is really quicker than the eye. This is amazing. What are you doing? Don't worry. What are you doing? What's the matter? I'm telling you. Watch, when I put it together, it's going to be terrific. Now you fold the corners like that. You put in your, these magic, Alakazami! Watch it, all one piece. Oh, look at that! You think what, money grows on trees? Let me try No, this. I'm not going to give you my other ten. I've got to paste this together. Right, wait a minute, let me show you another trick. You'll see it's worth it. See this? It's full, right? Watch this. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Oh, oh, I'm going to dirty your table. Look at So first, right, let's now, go. It yes. was hard to tell from listening yes. what you are referring but to. But I'm going to go through the whole 
Okay. Okay. Well, let me go through the whole sequence of events here, the visuals that we want to describe, and I'll point out what I'm talking about. So first, Oscar tries to make Felix pick a specific card from like these giant cards, or not normal size <laughs> cards, which he doesn't do it. So he screws that up. Then he, I don't pick know a, how- Pick a card, any card, any card. Like this, I love how he does that. So he tears up a $10 bill that Felix gives him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he expected this trick to work. <laughs> right. That's one that there's no, other than having a ten, another $10 right. bill, there's no trick to that. And he asked him for a dollar <laughs> bill. So even if he was prepared for the trick, so that yeah. makes no sense. Okay. Right. Then, so he fails two tricks pretty miserably. And then the third trick he does well, which I, I right. always find odd. Which is, you need to describe. Okay. So is. he takes, he has a pitcher of milk and a bowl and he takes his fist and he cups his fist or he takes a, he makes a fist and he puts his fist out and he pours milk into his fist and the milk doesn't spill anywhere, but is clearly draining out of, it looks to me, draining out of the actual pitcher. Now, and how he goes, does he goes, ta-da, yeah, he opens his it opens and there's no milk. Now, first of all, how does he, how is that trick done? Well, once again, I find myself unwittingly the, uh, the magician expert on the show. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how it's done, but oh. it's clear it's, but watch <laughs> But I'm going to say anyway, because watching it, it's one of two things. One, I think I always assumed watching this episode that it was a tube up the, again, up the sleeve that it could pour into some kind of. Without getting any milk anywhere. Which would be, but I realized now that would be hard. What I think is more likely is it's a, it's a, it's a rigged picture that has like a fake lid, uh, uh, an invisible clear lid or something. Uh-huh. Or some 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 trap closure that it's not pouring out because I that see. would explain why it works and sometimes it doesn't okay well, so, so the next scene is when it doesn't and felix tries to do the trick um the same the same milk trick and he starts pouring the milk into his fist but whatever went right for oscar doesn't go right for felix and the milk starts pouring out over felix's hand now here's yep. the problem uh-huh once the milk hits his hand for a half second, he would pull back the pitcher and start stop pouring it. <laughs> but he milks the joke, if you will, and keeps yeah. oh, pouring the milk nice. over his fist for about yeah. two to three seconds. So it keeps just pouring all over the place. Felix Unger would definitely not right. keep pouring milk over, even if he thinks it would somehow eventually work. It is ridiculous. It has always bothered me. Okay. That Tony Randall does not simply pull, which he does later, by the way. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, he does not pull the the pull back the the jug right. when he's pouring. He just keeps yes, pouring it because it makes the joke funnier. Yes, yes. yes. And, and and the payoff, of course, is Oscar's last line. Yes. Terrible but it, it looks stupid. Maybe Oscar has set him up to do it. Right. It's just dumb that I, I this your point, character would keep pouring milk. <laughs> well, I also think it's dumb. That Felix think clearly Oscar's been practicing this trick. Yes. And there is no way by physics that simply pour there's no just by picking it up and trying it yourself, it's gonna work. Clearly, Oscar has some trick. And it's this is the same <laughs> dumb Felix that is dumb that who is dumb. thinks blowing on a pencil sharper, a pencil makes a buzzing noise. Yes. 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 So the, they really okay. made Felix well, look, season five. It's yeah, season five. They're Maybe making him look really dumb. Okay. Uh, we know he's 50, so maybe dementia yeah, is early onset second. dementia. All right. So now we have a montage of Oscar entertaining the kids. First, he puts eggs into a bowl. 
he covers the bowl, he lifts up the lid, and we see a baby chicken, which means Oscar now there's another pet in this household <laughs> that the chicken could be played. They could play with Yawbus and chicken at the yeah, same right. time. You would and think the they, frog. You, and the frog. Well, the frog does go away. They release oh. him, right? Did they release oh, yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yes, yes, yes. But you would, wouldn't you think Mark and the hell's her name? Lori would love Yabas. Yep. That would. That's a shame that they. Why don't we see them playing with? Before Oscar could meet this woman with the two young children, yeah. Uh, but I think. But you know what? You're missing out. What you're yes. almost hinting at, but you're not getting is that. Yeah. Why would he keep the chick? He'd give it to the kids. Oh, that's true. All right. Well, there's another pet brought into the show, which is yeah. irritating. Uh, Oscar brings Anita and to, and the kids into his blind into his room blindfolded. This is part of the the montage. They make they take off the blindfolds and the kids hug him because they love his messy room. Next scene, uh, Anita's laughing. Like she's not repulsed, like I guess Phyllis yeah. would oh, it Phyllis. was. Uh, the next scene, Anita is doing, I guess it's crochet sitting on the couch. Oscar and Mark are playing cards using jelly beans as chips. Oscar bets all of his jelly beans. Mark sees him. Oscar puts down his cards. He goes to take the pot because he thinks he's won, but Mark's put his, his hands on Oscar's hands, shows him his cards, which is the winning hand. And he takes all the jelly beans. Oscar looks disappointed. Anita comes over and hugs Oscar. That's the montage. Now, very, you know, they don't do this a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. They, they haven't done it in a while. And usually when they do it, these are like outside shots. Usually they only do montage when they've had all this New York City footage. This is one of the few times I think they've done a montage of scenes that clearly were only written for the montage. I don't think these scenes really had dialogue. It's not like they were cut, you know, for the episode. So we I mean, are trimmed. These are so many. Anyway, I also think it's a very effective montage. It's yes, I agree. It, it, I mean, overall, the episode does a good job of convincing us just mm. like, just like with Gene Simmons, yeah. that Oscar's, falling in love with somebody they, they've done a good job with right. that they do a good job with that the show in general same thing with felix and uh alex Karras, melanie melanie yes in a, in, a, in a short amount of time they do a good job of that and they do a good job here um so we're back at anita's apartment laura is, is sitting on oscar's lap mark is next to him oscar's arm is around mark's shoulders they're all laughing loss laurie asks oscar to tell them one more story and Oscar says it's late. They beg him to. Oscar says they have to go to bed. They keep begging him. He says, all right, one quickie. Then you go to bed. You promise. Okay, let me see. And uh, that leads to uh, this clip. Once upon a time, there was a bookie named 52nd Street Irwin. And he was a very sad man. How come? Because... A new law had been proclaimed throughout the land. It was called off-track betting. All sorts of people with two-dollar bills would enter Oscar. buildings that had green. Hi, Ron. What are you two doing still up? Well, I guess that's my fault. I'm sorry, I kept them up. Oh, go on up to bed now. I'll be up in a second to tuck you. But we want to find out what happened to Fifty Second Street Irwin. Well, what happened was that Irwin met a guy named Oscar Madison, and he won so much money from him, he lived happily ever after. Now go to bed. Good night. Good night, kid. You got back early. You didn't. Well, I wasn't on a date, if that's what's bothering you. I was out working. What's bothering me is you left the kids alone. 
I didn't leave him alone. I left him with Pamela. It's the same thing, isn't it? Say, where is Pamela, by the I way? I sent her home. Why? Because she's too young to be babysitting. Oscar, that's the same babysitter I used last week. Yeah, but that was different. The only thing that's different is that you're getting hooked on my kids. So? And they're getting hooked on you. So? There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Yeah, there is. Oscar, I gotta talk to you. Do you know that those children moped around the house here all day today? Why? Because you didn't call them last night from Pittsburgh the way you promised. Oh, see, the game went into extra innings. By the time I got back to the hotel, it was so late, I figured they were asleep. Yeah, well, they'd waited up for you. Oh, well, they must have forgiven me. We had such a good time. We played games and laughed. And... Yeah, but that's only going to make the hurt even deeper next time you disappoint them. Oscar, I, I know you didn't mean it, but, you know, children need consistency. They don't really know where you fit into their lives. Wow. I mean, the last thing I want to do in this whole world is to hurt the kids. You mean you think it's going to happen again? Well, if our relationship stays the same, yes. Well, I, I guess you're right. I guess we ought to break up then, huh? Unless you could think of some alternative. Oh, I guess you're right. Things over, it's over. You know, whatever's for the best. I'll show you. Look, I do that. See? Da 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 da. Hope you liked our show. So in this scene, uh, Felix moves his hand away from the milk in the mm -hmm. proper amount of time. Right. Showing that. He does, yes. Yep. First but time. He, you know, I realize also that this, uh, the use of this, has a, it depends on the audience not knowing how it's done. Because they keep it like it's this, like Felix would either figure it out or not at this point. It's like, it's still, they're treating it like this mysterious, magical, literally magical thing that happens sometimes not others if you know how to do the trick you know how to do the trick 
So we have a new scene. Felix knocks on Oscar's door. He walks into his room. Oscar's asleep. He knocks on Oscar's headboard to wake him up. Oscar does not wake up. Felix now says, betting windows close in three minutes, which wakes up Oscar. And he says, give me number three, four times, which I'm not sure what that <laughs> means. What, uh, what does that mean? I, I can't break down the actual bet, but... Um... Can you but, bet on a horse you know, three times, four times? You you can place more than one bet. I see. But I, I forget why. So he finally... Um, oh. you know, I think that's also funny. That that's the it is funny. Yes. Bet. Yeah. So Oscar realizes now that he's there's no betting window. He says, why are you waking me up so early? Felix pulls back the sheets from Oscar's bed and uncovers a portable TV, which is on, but playing <laughs> static. Oscar says, now, I don't see what's so weird about that. I've woken up with my laptop many times. I, I agree that it is not of all the Oscar room <laughs> no, jokes. It's actually the least well, funny. But what's funny, I think, is that they today that would not be as funny if you woke if you had your laptop still on in bed with you. But I guess in 1974, it's like to carry a portable TV into I see. bed was okay. still considered uh, kind of extreme. Oscar says, what's the matter with you? What is it? Felix says, were you serious when you said you wanted to propose to Anita? Oscar says, of course I was serious. Felix says, well, come on, get up. She's on her way over here now. Oscar says, why? Felix says, because I called her. Oscar says, what'd you do that for? Felix says, well, you said pretty soon, didn't you? Now is pretty soon. Oscar says, yeah, okay, I want to do it. I'll do it. Felix says, you want to do this on an empty stomach or you want me to prepare some breakfast for you? Oscar says, no, no, it's all right. I've got something to eat. And he takes out a half sandwich from his pajama shirt pocket and says, remember, you told me to save it. Now, we didn't see that happen. So is this an off-screen joke they're referring to? Um, an off-screen thing? Yeah, it is. I don't think it has to refer to, for the writing from the comedy writer's point of view, it does not have to refer to any particular moment in time. But usually but, in this show, yes. when it's they refer little, to something like that, it's something that's yeah. actually happened. Yes, I think it, the way I hear that, the way I interpret that line is, you remember you once told me to always save, you know, some food for later. But it's a okay. variation of that. Uh, he eats the sandwich, walks out, and Felix says to basically this audience, he'll make a fine husband. Uh, now the door will... Reassuring, reassuring himself, yeah. like trying to, to, to suppress the shock and revulsion he feels. Now the doorbell buzzes and Felix uh, answers it. And yes. I guess before you move on, yeah. When you're moving, you're gonna play a clip. Yep. Well, okay. Spot, before you play the clip, I yes. Okay. Set up the clip. Oh, you want me to play the clip? Then you're gonna talk. Set up. No, set up the clip. Oh, but I, I did. The doorbell buzzes. Finish your sentence. Oh, okay. Felix answers the doorbell. <laughs> All right. So basically, you're about to play the clip. Yeah. All right. Two things. Uh, speaking of horse racing. 52nd Street or Irwin. Didn't we just have him mentioned on the show recently? Yes, Irwin has been on the show before. Irwin. Right, but did, was that recently we had a Irwin? Yes, there was an Irwin. There was an Irwin reference recently. I can't remember what exa- which episode. I should yes. look it up. Okay. Um, OTB, I checked out. I checked it out. OTB opened oh. April 1971. Okay. Um. Oh, and the other thing, <laughs> the other thing more relevant to this moment in the scene is uh, uh, you know, on Decades now, Decades TV channel that runs syndicated Odd Couple, uh, they've caught up with us. And so I've been watching more of them just to see 
you know, any differences. I know, right, either musical or otherwise. And uh, the only cut they made that, that, that is in the, in the decades syndicated edit is they cut everything, the be- they cut this scene, which they cut um, the, one the we actual just, scene we just played. Discussed, you mean, not played. And they, right, just, but no, with Oscar in the bed yeah we didn't play we didn't play the scene we we quoted it your your reading of it was so convincing okay okay yeah heard it in my mind so yeah they um they they jump right away to anita so uh, oscar is saying pretty when are you gonna do it pretty soon pretty soon yeah which is very funny and then they jump ahead to anita's on the couch with felix so that you know watching this episode on dvd and having watched them so much as a child and early teenager, this scene always stood out to me as something that didn't seem as right, fresh. As, 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 it still, it as didn't familiar. seem something that as familiar. That's the word. Right. So right. Uh, that makes sense to me. And it, and it's an awkward cut because uh, this is not a good cut. Because you don't know why she's there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. They yeah. don't even have her ringing the doorbell. Like they, I, but there's no. Oh, she's just sitting on the couch. Yeah, they cut like the first few, the first thirty seconds of her entrance with Felix. Oh, yeah, oh. you're the first thirty seconds are that you're about to play. I see. Or fifteen seconds, I guess. But uh, there's no trade-off later in the episode. I think this is purely just to allow for another commercial or something. Right. Should I play the clip now? You may. Hi. Hi, Felix. Oh, hi. Come on. Well, not too early. No, 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 no. Oscar's getting dressed. Oh, Oh, my, my, how nice you look. Thank you. Have you any idea why Oscar wants to see you? No, you were very mysterious on the phone. (laughs) Is it something funny? It's something happy. (laughs) Before Oscar comes out, there's something I, I ought to say to you. I've lived with Oscar for five years now. And I think I'm not going too far when I say that he's a perfect person. He's kind, he's warm, he's intelligent, he's considerate. And he's neat? He, 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 he has neatness in him. He, he, he really, except for his room, which is an absolute disgrace. But aside from that, he, well, his clothes leave a little... What am I doing? I'm bad-mouthing my best friend. I'll ruin the marriage. What marriage? Didn't you know that Oscar wants to propose to you? What? Oh, I did it again. I'm big mouth. I'm, oh, I'm so... Oh, please, don't turn him down. I'd feel awful. Please. He'll make a wonderful husband and a fine father. What do you say? I guess I'd say yes. Oh, oh, bless you, bless you. But don't tell him I, don't tell him no. I spilled the beans because yeah. he'll never forgive me. He no. wants to propose himself. Oh. Hi. Congratulations, you're going to get married. So I guess there is some little bit of dialogue in there that says why Oscar wants to see you. Yeah, that's where yes. they start. So, they, so yeah. I guess it, it works. I it mean, works you're enough. Not confused, yes. but. Yeah, right. I, I can understand why of everything to clip. Although, uh, I guess they could have clipped the montage, but maybe the montage is more important. 
Uh, now, in the clip, Felix says, I've lived with Oscar for five years now. I feel like somewhere before this, that's a contradiction. Well, actually, I think it's pretty good because, um, I mean, it's close. If you, because the way that the, the, the timing between the movie and the sitcom worked out, the movie was 1968. The movie is basically the pilot, you can say, the, right? The actual, like, original pilot of Felix moving in. Uh, and that's 1968, according, if you take the timeline literally. And then, so it's now 1974. So it's like more like maybe six years, but so he's just a year off or he's just approximating, right? Right, but so, the, but the play predates, uh, I mean. I think, okay, I, yeah, that is, I wouldn't expect them to use the play so much. But isn't there some sort of flashback? I'm saying in the Paramount universe. Yeah, but isn't there a flashback? In the Paramount universe, I think it's fair to say that that there, there, Felix moves in in 1968, although at the end of the movie, as in the play, he then moves out. So there's a presumption that sometime between the movie and season one, he had to move back in. But isn't there some sort of dialogue, forget the movie, in the show, yeah. or some oh. sort of flashback in the show I'm, I'm at, it's been. that yeah. makes it, I thought we had this discussion that implies right. they've been living longer than before 195 the start of the series there's been yeah there's been lots of inconsistencies about how long they've known each other oh you're right that's probably what i'm but thinking I, about I known each other it's, poss- it's possible but i don't remember an exact dating Ooh. of how okay live there although i think i think you're you must be right there must have been a, a reference oscar saying you've lived here x number of years in this you know and yeah. but I, I would have known if, if if it was off, if it was really off before I would have noticed. Would okay, have you're noticed. saying it's not that Say egregious. So. You're saying it's not. I that think egregious. they seem to be consistent. Okay, that that 68 is when the movie happened is the timing is the same. It's just that Jack Klugman and Tony Randall were just kind of like reincarnated or <laughs> given plastic surgery to not resemble Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. The next scene is the wedding in Anita's apartment, and they did a good job with this apartment set. It feels yes. real, feels lived in. It's different than Felix and Oscars. It's got that duplex. And it's 70s, got a good 70s feel. They did a good Very job with 70s. it. And it does feel like someone who, you know, is a successful harpist, I guess. Someone. <laughs> we see Murray and Speed in the foreground. In the background, Oscar's talking to a tall blonde woman. We see Eddie Garrett and we see Richard Stahl in the background. I did not see Eddie Garrett. Oh, he's there. Murray says, excuse me, Speed, I want to talk to Oscar. And Felix and Anita cross the room talking at the same time. Oscar sees Murray and says, excuse me, to the tall blonde. Oscar and Murray say hi to each other. Murray starts to cry. Oscar Mm -hmm. says, oh, come on, will you? Cut it out. Come on. And he laughs at this. He laughs while he's saying this. Murray says, my old friend Oscar getting married. So sudden. I mean, I said to my wife, Oscar's getting married. She said, Oscar who? I said, Oscar Madison. She said, no. I said, yes. Oscar says, oh, well, you cut it out. Where is your wife? Murray says she didn't want to come. She said this was an excuse to go out and play cards. Is it? Uh, Go out and play cards. And he pauses and he says, is it? Oscar (laughs) says, no, Anita and I are getting married. (laughs) Murray says, then it's okay to cry. Oscar says, yes, it's all right to cry. But cry over there, will you? Now, Speed walks over. And Oscar says, hey, Speed, long time. Speed says, hey, Oscar, you're really going through with this, huh? 
Oscar says, yep. So he said, you know, 57, 52nd Street Irwin, the bookie. It's weird that he asked him this, which I guess maybe. Yeah, because they would know. Right. And he just referred. So it's weird to the audience because we just had a whole joke about that. Speed By the says, way, yes. When, he's, when he says, when Oscar says to Speed, hey, Speed, long time, it, it actually has been right. a long time. Was this Gary Wahlberg has been on the show. Do you was it the season premiere? That? I felt like it was a season premiere. Season premiere of season four. four. Oh, wow. Gloria moves it in. Don't okay. The last it has been a long time. Yeah. Uh, Speed says he's laying eight to five. You're not going through with this wedding. Oscar says, well, he's crazy because I am going through with it. Speed says, are you sure? Sure. Oscar says, yes. Speed says, because I want to make a bet. Oscar goes, a bet? Speed says, yeah, I haven't won a bet in 15 weeks. Oscar says, well, you can get even now because it's a sure thing. Speed says, where's the phone? Oscar says, right over there. Go ahead. And now we're going to play the final uh, six minutes of the show, which is the almost marriage. Hey, Billy. Spoiler. Well, how do you feel? I feel good. Good. How do you feel? I may throw up. <laughs> give me the ring. I gave it to you. Give me the ring. You didn't give it to me. No, I didn't give it to you. Here it is. It's got mustard on it. I had a hot dog before. You're a crazy. Excuse me, sir. You must be the minister. I hope so, or I've got a very dull wardrobe. <laughs> I love a good joke. I'm going to get my cameras. Wait a minute. You can't take pictures. You're the best man. You said you wanted the best photographer in New York, didn't you? That's me. I'm doing it for cost. Yeah. <laughs> we got some telegrams. Oh, yeah? From who? Well, here's one from Florida from Little Joe. Oh, that's Joe Boop. What's he say? He says, Dear Oscar, you getting married? Ha, 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 ha. Ha! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What else you got? Well, here's one from Vinny. Yeah. Dear Oscar, getting married. Is it a cold day in July? Ha ha. Another ha ha. And here's one from your mother in Europe. Dear son, a very funny joke to play on an old woman. No ha ha. Oscar, you got a reputation. Oh, but they're only kidding. They got. Come on, come on. It's time. Time for what? To get married. Oh, come on. Let's go. Get upstairs. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. I'll see you later, dear. Okay. Oscar's awfully anti-married. No, he's not. Felix, I'm not pressuring him into this, am I? No, of course not. You're not that kind of girl. I did it. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. It's time to get married. So, Speed, if you'll come up here. Murray, Murray, you'll stand right here. Everybody, if you'll just give us a little bit of room. Everybody, the great moment is coming. Mr. Minister, you'll stand right there. All right, everyone. I think we're ready. Again, uh, would you go back to the gate? Uh, uh, <laughs> steps. <clears throat> All right. Everyone, ready? Pluck it, Mabel.
beloved and friends, we... Oh, I'm sorry. Can we hold on a minute? She has to go, darling. No, that can wait. No, no, this is an emergency. She just told me. We'll be right back. If we're taking a break, I'd like to go, too. Do you, Anita, take Oscar as your lawfully wedded husband? Madam? Uh, I, I do. Do you, Oscar, take Anita as your lawfully wedded wife? I do. I do. Certainly. If there be anyone here who objects to this union, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. <clears throat> I think that I had better speak. I beg your pardon. Well, I, I don't want to forever hold my peace. So, uh, Oscar, would you talk to me for a moment, please, privately? Excuse me. We'll be right back, folks. What's the matter, honey? It's you. You're scared to death. No, I was ready to go through with this. You were praying for something to happen. Like what? Anything, an earthquake. I... Oh, no, that's not true. Oscar, you were pressured into this, first by Felix and then by me. You didn't even propose. Yeah, but I meant to. I know you did. And I know you meant to try to make the marriage work, but look, let's be honest with each other. I'm no more ready for this than you are. You're not ready for this marriage either? I was so happy to find a man who loved my children and whom they loved that, well, I just ignored the fact that, that we're really not ready for this kind of a commitment. At least not yet. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way. Just some kind of woman, you know that? And you're a sweet guy. <laughs> Can I have everybody's attention, please? I have an announcement to make. Would you come down here? Look, after carefully considering what we were about to do, Anita and I jointly decided that there isn't going to be any wedding. Oh, I knew it. It's a fix. <laughs> Come on, speak. No. Look, it's nothing personal. You're a great guest, and if we ever do get married, we're certainly going to invite you back. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that's the way the wedding cake crumbles. Your presents will be returned to you. No reception? I ate light. <laughs> Felix, I'm sorry to disappoint you like this. I'm going to save you, buddy. Folks, come back, come back. We had planned some entertainment uh, for the reception, but so that it won't be a total loss, we'll have the entertainment now. Now, first on the bill will be the amazing Unger. No applause, please. We have here a simple pitcher of milk. Will you give me a drum roll, please? Now, why not have the reception? The food's going to go to waste. Exactly. Everyone's there. And it's so not like it was an acrimonious, you know, terrible uh, breakup. The, they're still, you know, amicable. So, and does that, a party. do any of the guests actually think it's a, their fault when Oscar says it's not personal? 
<laughs> I mean, th that's a weird thing to say. Uh, so the, let's discuss the visuals there. Felix walks Oscar down the aisle, so to speak, and they both look very uncomfortable, very natural. Yes, because they're like, he's, I think it's almost arm in arm, or at least they're like right up against each other. It's a very narrow staircase. Yeah. And then so it Felix looks like they're, looks like they're the ones getting married, which kind of encapsulates like this, that one moment in the entire series where, because we keep joking, the whole joke of the show is they're basically a married couple. And it's kind of funny that at this moment they are like, look like the couple getting married. I thought it was Felix giving Oscar away is what I thought. Well, that's technically what he seems to be. Well, the groom doesn't have to be given away. Oh. So it is kind of funny that Felix is even, that's why it's funny Felix is even there. He's, oh, he's the best man, I guess. That's, yeah. That's the role he's playing. So but what's funny, what you're about to say is that he's also doubling as photographer. Yeah. So he starts taking so pictures. <laughs> and every time he does that, Oscar gives this very uncomfortable smile. Did you catch how Felix says he's only doing it for cost? For cost, yes. Now, <laughs> this smile scene, when Oscar starts smiling, reminds me of uh, a honeymooner scene where uh, someone's taking a picture of Ralph. It may be for the award for best for cab uh, bus driver who hasn't had an accident. And he's walking and somebody takes a picture of him. And every time someone takes a picture of him, he gives this really awkward smile. Because he doesn't have a smile naturally. <laughs> I vaguely remember. Um, now, when Mark walks down the aisle, the child, he does the same trick Oscar did with the flowers coming out of his sleeve, which the audience is delighted oh, at. And then at the end, Felix does the milk trick. That's what the amazing Unger does. Right, and he right. completes the trick accurately. But when he finishes it, he bows. And when he bows, he turns over the entire pitcher of milk with right, his hand. Right. Now, which is why I think that's the trick is the there's still milk in the thing. It right. never poured out. Right. Well, I, I feel like in the real trick, we're not supposed to leave it all goes into his fist, just some of it. Whatever. All right. Anyway, but have you, did you notice, and again, another thing I noticed watching this show hundreds of times, the, the image, the, the, the film of Felix bowing is a different angle. It's different lighting. Yes. It looks completely right. unrelated to the rest of the show. It's very weird. It's like they, right. they had to refilm it and they just didn't do a good job recapturing that moment. So did you notice that how it looks very yes. different? Yes, I did, and it's like it's it's an insert. It's uh, they have yeah, to it's an insert. insert. But in the past, it's done from the front, yeah, not from the audiences, not from the in studio audience, right? View. Right. And it almost looks like it's on film, like in season one, right? And they've done inserts before of the show, right, I think, right. but they usually look somewhat like it's related. So it's it's, it's also the color lighting. It's very whitewashed. It's very odd. Yeah. So now we're up to the tag. Uh, oh, before yeah. you go on, yes. I, I just want to say um, I love the whole, the main joke. It's not, there's no, like this episode doesn't have a central joke. You know, the premise of the plot is not a humor. It's not a comedic one. It's just they're in love and they might get married. But I feel like in the wedding scene, there finally is a central joke, which is that the bet <laughs> is that uh, it turns out speed and we find out someone else has actually decided to bet on Oscar's wedding. And the, the, one of my favorite part of the whole episode is uh, Speed on the phone with 52nd Street Irwin calling the race. She's rounding the post like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like calling it like it's a race going on, which is pushing, I know it's pushing credibility, but I just find it so funny. 
and the, and Richard Stahl as the minister even like builds on that by saying like you go back to the gate, right? Like the where the horses come from. I'm not as big a fan of that, and I think this is Richard Stahl's worst episode. He is a little out of his usual character. Like they made, I'll, I'll give them credit. They made he's played a minister so many times that they made this one a different character, and and he's this one's like instead of being just totally dry, uh, uh, and uh, deadpan, he this guy like has a goofy sense of humor and just cracks up at everything. So it's not quite as not what we love about Richard Stahl in a way, but I think it's still funny. In the tag, Oscar's telling Mark and Lori what happened. He says, and so your mommy and I decided that the first, for the time being, I'd still be Uncle Oscar, but I'm going to be visiting a lot, right? And we're going to go to the fair on Saturday. You're going to see that great magician. And we're going to see a Robert Redford movie, right? Good night, Lori. So long, Mark. I'll see you. He kisses both of on the cheek. Then we see Anita. Anita says to Felix, thanks. Oscar says to Anita, they're great kids. I'll call you Friday. Anita says, I'll be here. They kiss on the lips. Anita and Mark and Lori go upstairs. Felix says, Oscar, I'm genuinely sorry. Tell me the truth. Is it my fault? Did I push you? Oscar says, oh, no, no, no. This is the best thing for everybody, honest. But who knows? Maybe somebody, someday we might, you know? Felix says, I hope so. Oscar says, listen, you can do something to help me. Felix says, anything, anything at all. Could you lend me $300? Felix says, because of the carpet I ruined? By the way, does milk even ruin a carpet? <laughs> well, if it's a nice carpet, I mean, anything, you know, I gotta... she seems to have nice stuff. Felix says, Oscar says, no, no, I bet Irwin I would go through the, with the wedding. Felix says, you bet on your own wedding? <laughs> Oscar says, well, wait till you hear the odds he gave me, five to two. I thought it was a sure thing. <laughs> Felix is incredulous, and he walks out. I still think that's funny. Uh, and then Phyllis, I'm sorry, Anita... And Mark and Lori go the way of Yabas, never to be seen again or heard about again. <laughs> Apparently, they were not going to stay uh, close. Now, we thought at the end of the Phyllis episode that we never saw her again. And we were wrong because right, she right, came back. Right. But this is right. the only appearance. Pretty of sure Anita. you checked. OK, right. Well, uh, there's nothing to check. I mean, that there's nothing yeah. to check. Dina, Dina Merrill, Merrill not, is not in, busy. She yes. does not have a chance to do right. a little quick walk on. Yeah. So just like Yabas and <laughs> other you know this is the third love one of them moved back to her royalty right. one of them probably just they broke up because he was never going to get need this one seemed like uh, here's what i here's what i wish had happened i just thought about this last night hmm. i wish at the series finale when felix gets married spoiler and yeah. oscar that they bring back Dina Merrill and they get married that, too. That would have certainly been the conventional thing to do, right? Is to pair them both off to have yeah. two weddings. Yeah. But it would ruin the the joke that does happen yes. at the end of it. So yes. I understand yes. that. Well, I'm not sure. I I sent I can see that being a tempting way to go, but I, I'm glad they did. Um, so there's no really classic moments or elements of this episode from where I from my point of view. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't like it. Dina Merrill certainly brings a style and a class. I think she was excellent casting. Um, and they, again, they've done this very well with the show is casting love interests for them. Um, and they've gone out of their way to bring a couple notable actresses who are very classy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's good at that. The kids are a little annoying, but they're, you know, they're, they serve their purpose. The way he builds a relationship with them is, is believable and organic and cute. And it's nice to spend time in another room besides Felix and Oscar. <laughs> 
So I give the, even though I don't really laugh a lot, I still enjoy watching this episode because of the story it tells us. I give it three out of five Murrays. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Sorry, uh, I will rephrase that. I give it 3.5, three and a half out of five Murrays. Not three, three and a half. Got it. Yes, I agree with that, definitely. Um, Three and a half, 3.5. It's right in the middle. Um, well, actually, three is a little better than average. Right? A little yeah, two, than 2.5 is middle of five. Oh. 3.5 <laughs> is the middle of seven. Uh, math, okay. I always think of three, I've got a scale of one to five. Three is kind of the middle. That's it's true. Middle. Okay. So this is better than midland. Um, it is, and I, I think it's not so much because of flaws, but it is a dramatic episode in a way, a sentimental episode more than a comedic one. So there's just not as many laughs, which is why when the, the joke about the betting, the, the betting on the wedding comes in, I'm, I would just like, I'm really welcoming it because it's like finally a really good joke for me at least. Um, one thing, another thing I like about this episode, it has a lot of internal consistency with uh, their stories uh, because do you now, do you, in the scene where Felix kind of spills the beans, uh, for Anita, part of the joke is that he literally gets down on his knees yeah. to beg her to marry him, and that recalls how isn't it funny that how it was Oscar that had to propose to Gloria, yes, on Felix's behalf, right? And so it's kind of like a nice re- re- reciprocity, even though they don't reference that. Um, also, in that scene, Felix says, "I've done it again," which I assume just means generically. Oh. He's yeah. let the cat out of bag of stuff secret, but right. I don't feel like Felix has really necessarily ruined Oscar's relationship or others or, or like, or has done that before, but yeah. So did you give it three um, and a half? Is that what you said? Are we just agree with yes. you? We haven't given I'm a tempted to go higher only oh. because I'm just realizing I also, this is Gary Wahlberg's last odd couple. I thought speed comes back in the finale, but he doesn't. Yeah. I guess this you're is, confusing weddings. Right. And so, and he has a, it's a great uh, cameo in a way by him. They also mentioned by one of the telegrams. Vinny, yeah, it's Vinny. Vinny, right. right. And so, the other one, um, here's a good trivia question. Ah, what um, is Joe's last name who sends the telegram for Oscar's wedding? Joe Boo. Oh, it's Joe Boo, B-O-O. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is that someone? It seems, no, it's like one of the, I feel like having a name, it's Oscar would have some sort of, gambling mafia yeah, guy who lives in florida who that's his name joe boo Weird. i feel yeah. like i bet somewhere along the way one of the either gary marshall or yeah. jack klugman has a friend named joe boo okay well, i believe that and his so mother's that's, still that's in europe his mother is always in europe oh, oh yeah that was the other consistency yeah I had yeah, yeah that's right. so so did you arrive at a final score for the record uh, 3.5 3.5. Okay, so we're on the same page of this one. Um, all right, well, if you have any uh, questions, comments, insights, uh, piece of information you'd like to share with us about this episode, you may email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Uh, and we appreciate any reviews you can leave us on iTunes. Pluck it, Garrett. Shut the door on mayonnaise.